I can't think of a better way to begin this year than as a family taking just a moment to thank this good God of ours. So where you stand, before we sit, before you get comfy, let's bow and let's thank this good God who is risen and on his throne even this morning. Holy God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. You are worthy of all our praise. You are worthy of all that we are. You are worthy of everything that we have. And as one body, with one voice, we simply say, thank you, Jesus. For without you, there would be no life. As we begin 2019, Lord, our prayer is that we would walk hand in hand with you, that we would neither run in front of you or lag behind, but that we would simply walk alongside as a child to his parent. We thank you now, in Jesus' name, amen. Now church, I'll say bless the Lord if you'll say, oh my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name and bless three or four people real quick in the high five, a hug, a how do you got 10 seconds, then grab a seat. Three, two, one, go and grab a seat and grab a Bible. Oh. Some of you going, that, that was way too short, that, not nearly enough time. And then there's others in here who are going, it's always way too long. I just want to sit down. Don't make me say hi to anybody. It's nerve-wracking. And so for both of you who thought it was too long and too short, I'm sorry. I'm just going to start the year off setting the bar very low in you know, making all of you think I'm a failure. And then we can only go up from there. And so it's going to be a good year. Now. Before we get into this morning's teaching, I do want to make uh, just a real brief but important announcement. Most of you already have heard, but this past Monday, about 8, 8.30 in the evening, two of our long-term family members here, our brothers, Dick Salisbury and Sam Wilmore, graduated into heaven. They passed on from this life. And they are now experiencing a life that we have yet to even dream or imagine. And although we are very sorry for Emily and Robbie and the families that lost these loved ones, we celebrate. Because our hope and their hope is in Jesus Christ. And so even now, get this church, even now as we gather today to say yea God and to lift high the name of Jesus Christ... Our two brothers are doing that right now, but not in this place, but at the feet of Jesus Christ in heaven. And so we want to celebrate their graduation this morning. And I want to invite you to be praying for the families, that you will participate in the struggle that they're facing, that you'll be an encouragement, but that you will also not lose hope because our hope has never been on our own physical vitality, our money, our education, or anything else we have. Our hope is only in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so that's where we are this morning. Now, today we begin a four-week journey through this topic of prayer. And I love what Caleb said 
Did, did you hear his words during the communion moments this morning? He said that prayer is our first resort. It's our first response, not our last resort. It is our first response, not our last resort. And so before we get going, before we start saying, okay, I'm going to accomplish this this year, I'm going to tackle this goal, I'm going to see this happen, before we get all those things going, as Christians, we pause and we kneel before the battle. And we say, okay, God, where are we going this year? We'll make plans, but you're the one who prospers those plans. So where are we going this year? And so as a body, we're just going to soak in time with God through prayer. In fact, next week... On every one of the seats in this room, you will have a card. Because next Sunday, we're going to begin three intensive weeks of daily prayer as a church. 21 days. On the front, you see it says 21 days of prayer. But on the back, it has 21 prayers that we as a body will be praying. One prayer specifically for every day for those three weeks. Now, you have other things you need to be praying about. But I would invite you to pray about this. And and we're going to do some other fun things during that season. Um, But in addition to a season of prayer, I'm going to invite you to also plan on fasting something. You say, what's fasting? Come Wednesday night, I'll teach on fasting as well as some of the how-tos and things about that. But here's in brief. Fasting is where you give up something, usually food, but it can be anything. It can be media. It could be, um, you know, some sort of hobby or anything else. You know, one kid said, well, I'll tell you what, this year I'm going to fast my broccoli. I said, no, that's not how this works. You don't fast food. No. All right. And some of you are going, okay, great. I'll do fast food all week. You know, it's just, you know, McDonald's. No, that's not fasting either, okay? But the idea is to give up something, usually food, so as to position yourself to recognize that your life, what sustains you is not what you consume, but the one who consumes you, Jesus Christ. And so we're going to begin that starting next Sunday. You'll have this card, a little daily reminder. Uh, We're going to do some other things, including some daily prayer online where you can log into Facebook Live every day at noon and uh, a member or a minister or an elder is going to lead a prayer. And so wherever you are, you pause, you pop up your smartphone or get in front of your computer and you can participate in a corporate prayer every day at noon during those 21 days of prayer. It's going to be a great season. But before we get into that, we got to deal with what is prayer? In fact, if I were to ask you to finish this sentence... Prayer is blank. What would you put there? And don't say it out loud, but in your mind's eye, what would you put? You know, prayer is blank. I think if we're honest, some of us would say, well, for me, prayer is hard. By the way, just just show of hands, and by the way, this is one that I have said and I still feel at times. Some days, for me, prayer is very hard. Anyone else ever find that prayer is difficult for them? Uh, You don't know what to say, or maybe when you start to pray, you pray like someone you've heard pray, and all of a sudden, the way you talk, you go from proper Southern English to King James English in your prayers. Have you noticed that sometimes we'll pray, or we'll talk, you know, hey, how are you? What's going on? Life's good. But then when we go to prayer, it's like, oh, the Lord, thou hast, thou hast, hastest, whatever. Okay, what? what do we say? Other times it's, it's difficult because of relationships. I, I heard this week, true story, guy, guy asks another guy, he says, hey, um, have you ever gotten into an argument 
with your spouse while you are praying. <laughs> it's like, no, no, I don't think so. Now, now, okay, just full disclosure. I... Yes, Lord, we are listening. Full disclosure, there have been times where I have prayed, and, and Lindsay and I will be praying together, and we'll, we often pray in agreement. You know, she'll pray for, for something, I'll be, oh, yes, yes, amen, yes, you know. And then I'll say something, and, and then you get to starting to pray for the spouse, an area of growth or something, and it's like, and Lord, help Lindsay with this, and all of a sudden, there is no amen coming from right over here. And, and, and so you kind of peek, and you go, ooh, that's, no, don't do that again. Okay, well, this guy, he says, have you ever gotten into an argument with your spouse while praying. And he said, well, here's what happened. Um, we were praying, and then I began to ask God to help my spouse in an area of their weakness. And he said, evidently, it is an unwise thing to ask God to help your spouse grow up in certain areas in front of your spouse. In fact, when he opened his eyes just sort of to see what was going on, he says, I'm not making this up. He says his wife was staring at him. So sometimes it's hard, isn't it? Don't know what to say. Other times it's not because it's hard, but it's just because we're busy. Anyone in here busy? Anyone in here find that there are few hours of the, fewer hours of the day than there is, are things to do in the day? And then, of course, we compound that by the fact that we all have this cybernetic appendage that is always with us, always on, and so we have the attention span of fruit flies. And so you start to pray, or you start to, and then like 30 seconds in, you run out of things to pray. Have you ever had that happen? I know another guy who, who he grew up more in the Pentecostal church, and so he began to find ways to fill his prayers with just saying, hallelujah, you know, over and over. And so he's like, he'd extend it out, but after about five minutes of that, he's like, I'm tired of this. Prayer does not come naturally. If you don't hear anything else this morning, I want you to hear this. Prayer to sinful, fallen people does not come naturally. You say, Josh, where do you get that from? Well, I get that from the Bible. Because you realize Jesus' apostles, his disciples were with him for three years and they saw him do incredible things. They saw Jesus walk on water. They saw Jesus heal the sick, raise the dead, and yet, and yet, hear me now, when we get to the question they ask Jesus, the how-to question, they do not ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, so uh, how do you do that whole walking on water thing? But notice, when the apostles ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, give us that big how-to, they don't say, how do you walk on water? How do you raise the dead? Because, boy, that would be really helpful. Rather, in Luke chapter 11, they ask Jesus this question. Jesus, how do you pray? Hey, listen, we're good little Jewish boys and good little Jewish girls. We've been praying since we were babies. But we see a difference between what we do and what you do. How do you do it? So you need to understand, prayer does not come naturally to sinful people. But the good news is, we can all learn how to do it better. 
And so we're just going to kind of dive in. And I want to take you, there's two passages that will kind of bounce back and forth today. These are the two places in the Gospels where we get a um, sort of the Lord's Prayer, sort of the the, the little uh, teaching on how to pray. One is in Matthew chapter 6, the other is in Luke chapter 11. We're going to start in Matthew 6. And what I want you to see is Jesus is going to say there's a right way to pray and a wrong way to pray. And by the way, if you want to jot this down, let me just sort of give you the punchline through the entire time that we look at these topics of prayer and teaching through prayer is simply this. If you want to know what is prayer, prayer is dependency on God. It is dependency on God. You say, well, Josh, couldn't it be said that prayer is a conversation with God? Well, yeah, sure. Well, Josh, couldn't it be said that prayer is, you know, coming to God with needs? Absolutely. But at the bottom line, it is dependency on God. Let me tell you one of the reasons it is hard for many of us to pray. Many of us rely on other things more than we do God. And that's why it's hard to pray. In fact, for a lot of us, money is a great substitute for prayer because after all, you can get most of the things with money that you can get with prayer. It's easier and you don't have to rely on anyone. But what we're going to find out is there's something beautiful and rich and deep about prayer. And so Jesus is going to give us this brief crash course in prayer. And this is from Matthew's account in Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to ask you, while we read these words, would you stand with me as a church? I'm going to read the first portion of it. And then when we get to the highlighted section, that's the Lord's Prayer, the portion that he taught us to pray. I'm going to invite you to join me in praying these words out loud as one church. So here's what he says, beginning in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that on they think uh, they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. This then, church, is how you should pray. And let's say this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. These are the words of our Savior. You may be seated. So he says there's a wrong way and there's a right way. Did you notice the wrong way? The wrong way, he gives two different wrong ways, if you will. He says, hey, look, don't be like all of the religious hypocrites. A hypocrite was someone who simply said one thing but intentionally lived a different way. Someone who put a mask on pretending to be something they were not. See, in the Jewish culture, they had set times of prayer, three or more. And during their midday prayer in particular, the religious folk would make sure that they were out in the public. 
that maybe they were out in the market. Maybe they're on a business trip or in a business meeting. Or maybe they were with the other mamas at the playground. Or they were someplace where everyone would see them. And so when they would pray, they would make sure they were in public. And they would pause, the alarm would go off, and they would begin these long, loud prayers. And Jesus, he's not against public prayer. We do it here every Sunday. But he said, look, if your reason for praying is so others are impressed by you, you're missing it. Don't pray to impress, but instead he's going to show us something else in a moment. The other wrong way, he says, is, you know, the pagans, basically anyone who's not a God-fearing Jew, all the pagans, they babble on and on because they think that they can get the gods to do what they want if they say the right words in the right way and they have enough of them. He says, but listen, God is not a genie that you get to rub the right way so that he answers your prayers. That if you somehow unlock the right words, you get what you want. You're missing the point. He says, so let me tell you, here's the way you pray. And there's two things. You may want to jot these down. The two things he says, the right way to pray, and we're going to unpack a lot more of this over the next few weeks, but here's all I want you to hear today, these two things. He says, there's two basics two essentials to prayer number one you need to remember that prayer is about relationship now i know this won't blow many of your minds most of you aren't going oh my goodness i never heard that before but here's what i want us to think about and sort of dwell in is what does it mean to have a relationship with god do you notice how jesus begins this whole prayer he begins this then is how you should pray our Father. He says he is not some distant God. He's your daddy. In fact, Jesus Christ, you read through every time he speaks to God or about God, every time he prays to God, he calls God Father, except once. And the only time he doesn't is when he quotes Psalm 22 on the cross when he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Every other time he calls him Father. This is a deep relationship but the fact is and this has been a litmus test for my life i'll give it to you as well here's one of the ways you can know that you are slipping out of relationship and more into performance mode when it comes to prayer here it is watch the words you use when talking to god and again we joked about it a moment ago but think about this how many of us talk one way to everyone but when we pray we have a different set of words We have this different way of saying things. Or when we pray, we only say the same things over and over and over and over again. A relationship, though, isn't worried with formality. It's not worried about getting the words just right. A relationship is more concerned about the one to whom you pray than what you actually say. Here's the reality. You are talking to a living, thinking, infinite, divine being when you pray. You are not simply listing off a shopping list to the sky. When you pray, you are talking to your Father. So here's a quick question, something I've started doing. This is going to sound weird, I know, but (laughs) I'm already your preacher, so here it is. How many of you have ever asked God how he's doing? Have you ever in a prayer just said, God, how are you doing? And you say, well, he's God. He's got to be doing great, right? Yeah, but when was the last time you asked him how he was doing? For instance, let me give you a couple ways you might want to do this this week. Hey, God, I, 
I know you must be grieved by what you see going on in the world, all the injustice, the inequity, and, and the people who are being abused. God, I, I, I'm sure that is breaking your heart. I'm sure you're feeling grieved by that, and I want you to know I hurt too. Do you see? You are actually joining God in this, and you're talking to him about how he feels about something. Or how about this one? Hey, God, you must be really excited because my buddy at Starbucks, I notice he's starting to soften a little bit as we talk about things. And, and maybe, maybe, maybe he's sort of beginning to open up to the possibility that there is a God and that you love him. And man, I bet you're really excited about that, God. I want you to know I'm really excited too. Thank you for what you're doing in his life. It's a relationship. And, and it's an incredible one too. It's not a relationship between a a, a worker and a boss or a president and a citizen. It is a relationship between a child and a father. Now listen, I know that that word father for many people in this room just is like a Brillo pad on your soul because many in this room, I know, I know, you had rotten childhoods with men who did not represent what a father ought to be very well. And I know for some of you in here, the thought of calling God Father is a distasteful thought. And in fact, I've had people say, Josh, how can I call God Father when I don't even know what a good father looks like? And I love what uh, Dr. Timothy Keller says. He's an author and a preacher. He makes this point. He says, listen, for anyone who says you don't know what a good father should look like, yeah, you do. Why are you so mad at your earthly father? You're mad because you have a picture of what a good father ought to be and your earthly father does not live up to that image. You know what a good father ought to look like. And so when we say our father, it's not to bring God down to the level of our earthly dads. It's rather to say, hey, and by the way, earthly dads, our standard is to live up to God, not him down to us. So you pray, our father... And I love this. One of the things that I was thinking about here is um, the reason I struggle is because I focus more on what I'm trying to say than on who to whom I'm praying. And so I want to give you two quick sort of definitions that you might want to jot down. I'm going to give you a lot of stuff. Take what's helpful, leave what's rest. But two definitions. Here's one that both of these I heard years ago. I can't even tell you where I heard them, but they've just been very helpful to me. Uh, definition number one is this. Prayer is preoccupation with God. It's the idea that's I'm not worried about what I'm saying. It's rather, I just can't wait to get to be with him and say it. And I know for some in here, you're like, yes, I cannot wait to get up in the morning. And by the way, just real quick, how many morning people do we have in the audience this morning? How many people hate morning people in this audience? Oh, I'm sorry, dislike strongly. Okay, now here's the deal. Some of you, you say, yes, I cannot wait to get with God. Prayer is a preoccupation with him. You get up and you're like, oh man, I can't wait to get with him. And that's how I think we all want to get. But the reality is for many of us in here, we'd say, man, I'm not preoccupied with God. I really struggle with wanting to spend time with him. So let me give you another definition. Prayer is not just a preoccupation with God, but prayer, for those of us who may be struggling with even wanting to pray, prayer is time exposure to God. It's simply saying, I'm going to be with God. I'm going to take time to be with God. Question, married couples, dating couples, wish you were dating individuals. How do you 
develop intimacy with another human being? Do you show up one day and say to your spouse, hey, sweetheart, today, right now, we're going to have intimacy time. Don't you feel intimate now? That's not how it works. Dating. And by the way, dudes, do not go up to a young lady that you want to date and say, hey, I want to be intimate with you right now. They will not take it the way you mean it, okay? The way that you have intimacy or deep relationship with someone is with time. You cannot manufacture relationship and deep abiding intimacy with a person. It is something that comes with time. Same with God. You cannot automatically have intimacy with God, but you can make room for it. And so if you're struggling, here's the first thing I would say. It's a relationship. You may just need to give yourself some time to build that relationship. Okay, now I said there's this one. Let me give you one more here. And actually, let me show you an example of this I think is really great. This is from Mark. One of the things I love about Jesus is he had this way of always pausing to pray and to be with God. He gave time exposure with God, but he also was preoccupied with his father. The number of times we're told that early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus went off and he was with the Father. And there's this one encounter in Mark's gospel. And, and go back, please, one, one slide here. Now, what's interesting to me is before this that I'm about to read to you, Jesus in the gospel of Mark, and by the way, we're going to spend about 30 weeks in the gospel of Mark this year. We're going to break it up. Don't worry. It's not going to be taxing, but we're going to go through Mark later this year. It's going to be awesome. But here's one thing you're going to see. Mark's gospel He is like the action blockbuster movie of the Gospels. He cuts out all of the extra stuff. He just gets the action going. And so throughout Mark's Gospel, Jesus did this, and Jesus did this, and this, and this. And he went here, and went there, and went there, and where. In fact, right before this, Jesus goes in, heals Peter's mother-in-law. She gets up, begins to serve them. Then a bunch of people in the town come around Jesus, and they begin to receive healing from Jesus. And he is just busy, busy, busy. Then he goes to bed, and then this verse Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Busy, 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 pause. Simon and his companions went to look for Jesus, and when they found Jesus, they exclaimed, and let's just all say this real loud together. Are you ready? Everyone is looking for you. Question, church, how many of you feel like from the moment you wake up, everyone is looking for you? You wake up, you have 75 missed messages, your inbox is exploding, you see your calendar and it is full of stuff. You get the sense that the apostles were freaking out because they had so much to do and and everyone's looking for you, exclamation mark. It's a big, busy day. Jesus, where have you been? Don't you know? People need you. And he doesn't freak out, flip out, because he has paused to remember who God is. And so he's able to say this. Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. Why? That is why I have come. Hey, I just need to say something to you. Tomorrow morning when the alarm goes off, everyone will be looking for you. Mamas, daddies, stay-at-home parents, you're going to have little kids who are looking for you. Can I get an amen? 
In fact, how many of you thought that when you had kids, you could at least retreat to the bathroom for some solitude, but then you do, and little fingers come under the door, mommy, they're after you, everyone's looking for you. Tomorrow morning when you go to work, you are going to have expectation upon expectation upon expectation for your time. How is it that you know what you're here to do? How is it that you can maintain composure and focus even when life is crazy? You get away with God because while everyone else wants something from you, you spend time with God to find out what he wants for you. It's a relationship. And here's the second one real quick. Prayer is a relationship, but it's also about partnership. We don't have time to go into this passage as deep as I wish we did, but let me just give you the high points. If we were to jump down to verse 10, you'd notice that Jesus in Matthew 6 says this phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now question, why did Jesus pray that God's will should look perfect on earth as it is perfect in heaven? Because right now, While everything that God wants to happen does in heaven, not everything that is God's perfect will happens perfectly on earth. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen it. He says, you pray this because God wants up there to come down here. And then in Luke's gospel, we don't have time to go there, so just let me give you the snapshot. In Luke's account, after the Lord's Prayer in Luke chapter 11, he then includes a parable Jesus tells about an pesky neighbor who says, I've got company coming in late. I need bread. I have no bread. It's late at night. I'll go to my neighbor's house, ask my neighbor for bread. So he runs over. Hey, 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 wake up, wake up, up. Wake up. I've got a neighbor coming over. Can I get some bread? And the neighbor behind locked door says, my kids are in bed. My wife's in bed. I'm in my jams. I am not opening the door. Hey, I'm not going. I'm not going anywhere. Open the door. Come on, help me out here. Come on. Jesus says, because of your boldness, the neighbor will get up, give you bread. Not because he likes you, not because you're special to him, but because of your boldness. And then Jesus makes this beautiful comparing thing. He says, how much more does your father in heaven, who loves you, want to give you good gifts? Ask, seek, Knock. Here's an interesting point, church. According to Jesus, asking precedes receiving. I know, this is just rocking your world, isn't it? But I want you to think about something for a second here. If it's true that God gives when we ask, what happens when we do not ask? There are some things that God wants to do in this world and in your life and around you. But he is not going to begin work until you ask him to do it. There are some things that will not happen because God's people have not and will not ask. This is why James says you do not have because you do not ask. Here's what you need to know. And I know some of you are going, well, yeah, yeah. But what about the time I asked and God didn't answer? Or God just took a long time to answer? Or what about that? Come back. We're going to talk about unanswered prayer in this series. But here's the bottom line. 
When you pray, you are talking to a father who loves you so much he gave his own son. And when you pray, it is not simply to say, God, you're good. It is to partner with him to say, God, please act now. And in ways I don't understand, but Jesus makes clear, when I choose not to pray, there are things that God will not do. And there are people who need to know Jesus. There are situations that need to change, but God is waiting on his church to ask for it. So here it is, church. Will you just pray? I was thinking about it. There have been times in our, our family's life where God has acted in some very overt ways. When I was, I think, about nine, ten years old, and I may have shared this already here, but my older sister, Megan, I have three sisters. I was the only boy, and we even had a female dog growing up, so that was fun. My older sister, Megan, though, she was two years older than me, and I remember I was in fifth grade, and uh, my sister Megan has scoliosis, meaning that her spine kind of does this little number. It's the S-curve. And it was developing more as she was getting older. And so my parents just kept tabs on it. And I remember they took her in for a routine or what was supposed to be a routine uh, x-ray. And they took her in. They took Megan back. They began to do some x-rays. And what should have taken about 15 minutes drug on 20 minutes, 30, 50 an hour and 20 minutes. And finally, my parents start getting worried. So they go, they grab one of the nurses, grab one of the doctors, say, hey, what's happening here? And uh, the doctor, with a pretty stern look on his face, grabs one of my parents and says, come with me, takes them to the x-ray room, puts the slides of the x-rays up on the board and says, this is her spine. Do you see this dark mass right here? They said, yeah, what is that? And they said, well, we took pictures from every angle. We thought it was a shadow at first but we're pretty confident that it's actually a tumor, some sort of mass that's now completely wrapped around her spine. And so dad says, well, what do we do about this? And he said, well, what we do is tomorrow you guys come back in here. We're going we're gonna to do some more pictures just to make sure how big it is, and then we're going to schedule surgery, and we're just going to pray that we can get in there and cut it out, that it's not wrapped around the actual uh, spinal column itself. This was on a Wednesday church, and I remember... Um, mom and dad, they came home, and they were, of course, very concerned about the situation. And they began to call friends to pray. And I remember, uh, this was years and years ago, Walt Lever was my preacher. In fact, that's Amy Jackson's dad, and one of my heroes. And I remember he, he began to go to all of the Bible classes at our home church, and the church began to pray. And then people began to pray and pass the prayer and starting to call other people around the country. And again, I don't even know who all was praying that evening, but I will tell you this, the next morning they go back into the hospital. And what should have been another 15 minutes again turns into an hour, hour and a half. And after that, dad's like, okay, what's happening now? And they said, well, come on back in here. Here's the pictures from yesterday, tumor. Here's the picture today, there ain't nothing there and we can't explain it. And mom and dad just go, well, we can. Let me tell you about Jesus. There are things that God does when his people pray. I'll tell you another time. This one was a personal one. Years ago, after college, I went on a four-week road trip around the country with a buddy. We, we went camping. We had a great time. We lost our, uh, our, our tent in Arkansas. That wasn't so much fun, but we had a great trip. And I remember when we got out to California, we were in San Diego staying at a friend's house, and we went out to swim one day. 
And we get out there, and at the time, I was a little bit more fit than I am now. I was a decent swimmer, but I was surprised there was no one else out in the water, but the waves were awesome. So we're like, hey, this is going to be great. We get out there, and we've been swimming for maybe 45 minutes, an hour, and I've got a little boogie board. And I notice that there's a seal or something that looks like a seal out in the water. So I begin to go out and follow this thing. And, and I, I think he was toying with me because he just keeps coming out a little bit farther, a little bit farther. He's like, keep coming, Dumbo. And so I keep going out. And I remember I got pretty far out, and I realized just how far, so I turn around to go back. I start to paddle, and I can't, I can't seem to get any headway. The water's too strong. The, the, the current's too fast. Something's going on. And, and I begin to struggle, and after about an hour and a half of trying to get into shore, I can't make any headway. And I get scared. My friend who's out on the beach, he sees me, and he's, he's not as good of a swimmer at the time he wasn't, and but he sees that I'm struggling. My friend swims out to me. And I said, well, dude, now we're both sunk. He goes, hey, we'll both die together. It'll be great. I was like, that is not romantic or fun. Stop. But we begin to pray. And as we begin to pray, I look up. And right then shows up on the beach the lifeguard. And he is putting into the ground, tacking into the ground a sign that says, Bad undertow, don't go in the water. I'm like, where were you an hour ago? And so we holler at him, and he sees us. He grabs that red weird thing, and he begins to run out towards us. But he was mama's little meatball, if you catch my drift. He comes running. It's Baywatch in slow motion. Fabio with a gut. He's running this way. His gut's going this way, but he's coming. And I'm going, thank the Lord for big boy, because he's going to help me out here. He begins making his way out to the water, and he comes, and when he hits, the water kind of does this, and he keeps coming. And like a beautiful whale, he reaches us. And he grabs us, and he pulls us back to shore. And as I'm laying on the shore, I think, I wonder had I not prayed, would he have shown up or seen us? It's amazing to me. People say, well, that's just coincidence. Let me tell you something. It's amazing. The more I pray, the more coincidences I see happen. Is it possible that God is just waiting for his children to begin to ask him for him to begin moving in the city? Is it possible that God is waiting for you to pray for your coworker, to pray for your neighbor, to pray for your friend? to pray for your spouse or your children? Is it possible that he is waiting on us to partner with him? And then he says, I got it. That is what we are invited into church. And so I've been begging God that he would stir in us a dependency on him. And I'm just going to ask you, will you take... Well, you take a chance the next few weeks. And here's how to begin tomorrow. This is just your prayer practice for this week, okay? Would you this week, if you don't already pray regularly, set a time. I don't care when it is. Early morning, midday, evening. It doesn't matter. Just pick a time. And would you take three minutes and talk to your dad? You say, Josh, I don't know what to say. Well, we just read a really good prayer. Maybe just say that. And if you're not sure, even then, you could just say, God, this is real awkward. We haven't talked in a while. I don't even know what to say to you.
Help me. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And it's been my experience that when I am bold enough to ask, he begins to answer. So we're going to do that right now. We're going to pray. We're going to sing a song. And we're going to ask our good, good Father to meet us as we meet him in prayer as a body over the next few weeks. Let's all bow our heads. Go ahead and close your eyes. Before I pray, I want to invite you to just still your heart for a moment. What is it that's on your mind this morning? Is there a person that comes to mind? A situation that you're facing? An illness? A setback? Financial? Maybe spiritually you're just not sure where you are and you just didn't... Would you begin to lay that before God now? And you may simply want to say something like, Dear God, I need help in fill in the blank. So take a moment and do that. Lord, hear the prayers of your children today. And not only those who are your followers, who love you, but Lord, for those who are here today, not by accident, but because you brought them here to know you and to meet you for the first time, I pray that you will respond to our prayers. Father, for those who need Jesus today, I pray that you would prompt them to take their next step of faith, perhaps as we sing this next song, to come forward and to receive prayer and perhaps baptism. For those who are not sure what their next step is, that they would maybe just ask a friend or someone next to them or even someone down front, but Lord, please, please meet us today and change us. We thank you, Jesus, for this open door to prayer. We ask this now in your name. Amen.